Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to part two of The Rhythm of Life. I am here today with the amazing Russell Cade. If you have missed part one, please go back and listen and do subscribe. Right. Are you ready for part two, Russell? I'm ready. Did, 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 seven, eight, speak. <laughs> So this is the thing that you did the first time that we met. I remember we met oh on my Crystal God. Maze and you We said we weren't going to mention me. that. Oh, sorry, that time. Sorry, no. <laughs> I'd, heard, I'd heard you were friendly, Oti, but it took me by surprise. <laughs> I'm not that friendly, no. <laughs> no. But then you carry like a specific lunchbox with you that <laughs> yes. I, I admire yeah. because you, you, like I met you, I think this was about three years ago and you still do it today. Yeah. I remember the first time what someone told me OT admired my lunchbox. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when I realised <laughs> what they meant, I was like, sure, we're both married anyway, fuck it. Um, so this is, uh, I'm, for the benefit of the listeners, I'm holding up one of the items from my the lunchbox that travels with me everywhere. Is it in the room with me? You're damn right it is. There it is on the floor. That, um, there, it's got five ice packs in it. In there, I mean, I've not lined this up. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question. There's three hard-boiled eggs ready to go, chilled from my travel fridge. There's some celery. There's some Himalayan salt. It all travels with me. Uh, while I'm speaking to OT, I'm drinking from a self-plunging cafetiere mug. So the coffee yeah. is actually trapped underneath it. I've plunged down. The coffee's inside. Real coffee in there. So I boil the kettle, put the water in. Then you put that little thing down. It squishes the coffee down underneath and you've got um, a, a coffee mug. If you're struggling to visualise this because we're in audio format, just look up the Xylus coffee mug. Sounds like we're uh, um, being sponsored on Amazon. Yes. So I, it's just... Be prepared. And what happens if you are in an area and they don't have a kettle? I've got a travel kettle in my bag as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Why do you do that? What What is it? Do you have a special diet? Is it what you need? Yeah, coffee and banter. No, the uh, and, and after celery. after eight years on on of tours, I've learnt that you get trapped all the time. It'd be the same for you, Ot. It's late night. What are you going to eat? Yet another kebab. Yet another Ginsters pasty. So particularly in the winter i'll start say a three or four day run if it might be that long before i'm going home with this ice bag obviously the ice packs fail after 24 hours not a problem in winter because what i do is i hang my bag outside the window and use what i call nature's fridge to naturally chill my food and that buys me another couple of days on the road and once you start eating your own food doesn't matter what it is i don't have a special diet it's just better than fake food and takeaway and mm. pasties and burgers and all that stuff so far as coffee there is no me without coffee i will admit it i'm not a drug user um i'm not a big drinker i like a glass of wine at night and i do like getting rat ass now and again but i'm not a massive drinker after gigs but coffee during the day and before a show without it there is no show it's essential i have access to real coffee and rather than look like a dickhead or mariah carey or a prima donna i carry everything i need with me so that when someone goes sorry we've got no kettle and we've got no coffee you can't affect me mate because i've got a self-plunging cafetiere mug and a kettle <laughs> and there's always water so 
So you don't have a rider anywhere you go? If people ask, I just say just leave some uh, bottled water out because a lot of the theatres, it's not drinking water from the tap and it just means I can get in straight away, boil my kettle. I mean, do you know, I had one experience where I let my guard down three years ago. I was doing Britain's Got More Talent and I thought, do you know what, trust the system. And I turned up, I can't remember who was hosting it, Mulhern maybe. I turned mm-hmm. up and they were, and I was like, all I need is a double espresso before I go on, mate, and I'll light the, the place up. Without it, I'm just like you know, vegetative state. And uh, they were like, no problem, I'll get you a coffee just before you go on. This is half an hour. Can you bring the coffee now? I don't mind having it cold. We'll bring it to you in a sec, two minutes before we're live. Russell, I've got some bad news. No time for coffee. And it was like the walls closed in, like a junk. <laughs> I had a, a junky shake. And then I sort of petulantly didn't join in with the conversation. And I thought, I never want that to happen again. So I just don't take risks when it comes to coffee. Listen, all I've got is my sense of humour. I don't have anything else, Oti. If you're in a bad mood, you can just, like, chuck your hips out and everyone stops listening. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. I've got nothing else to to fall back on. So my whole business model is coffee plus hairspray. That's it. Okay, so okay, so you're on a show, you're doing your comedy and, and you're living the best moment of your life. What is your nightmare? What is that one thing that you just hope it never happens besides the coffee? Um, that as a stand up, it's you know, you see it happen all the time. You say the wrong thing in the heat of the moment, you say a joke that you haven't thought through. Um, my absolute worst nightmare is to say a joke that's totally innocent in my head, but has accidentally got a double meaning that I hadn't thought of. Um, yeah. I, I can't. I'm trying to think of an example. I can't. And ironically, if I were to do one now, we, we would end up offending everyone. Um, <laughs> but let's let, let's do a silly made up one. Let's just say I, I'm making a joke about Belgian beer and I accidentally say something prejudiced about all Belgians. But the joke was supposed to be about the beer. Some, and everyone's like, yeah. oh, my God, you hate Belgian people. Right. Uh no one is going to believe me when I said, no, no, I didn't mean that. The joke was just about the bit. No one's going to believe me. The cancel button will be pressed and I'd be dead. That stalks every stand-up these days, that fear, because it's very easy um, with social media to fall foul to the sort of professional offendees. Mm. Um, so you've got to be really... I mean, you'll know that. You say the wrong thing no, in an I interview do, and you'll I'm be screwed. Thinking, as comedians, I've met so many comedians and... Everybody knows, I don't know if you know, but we all know this about comedians, that there's a downside to a lot of comedians. So they, they make you laugh, but in real life, some of them are quite insecure and they're yeah. quite um, quite dark in their thinking. And it's because they're always so scared of offending people and they have offended someone and it's just been really, really bad for them. Yeah, what do you mean when they're doing like a professional interview or do you mean just generally in their real lives? Just generally in their real lives, like you yep. go, oh my gosh, I thought you were funny, but you're not. You're quite right. actually. <laughs> so that goes right back to the beginning. You'll know from working from me when we're in rehearsal and just sat around at steps, yeah. there's not much of a gap between my personality when I'm on and off. That's because, yeah. like I say, I would call myself a type two comedian. I have monetized mm. my personality. I don't really have yeah. jokes. Uh, I just am. Am jokes as the kids would say. I but am funny man. I'm just pure jokes though. <laughs> but whereas a lot, a lot of comedians, a lot of the better, more successful comedians are type one comedians, brilliant writers mm. and brilliant at creating things. But they might be quite shy people in real life. A lot of the time, they're just shy, introvert people that come out of their shell when they grab a microphone. Whereas me, mm. if we a night in the pub, if we were all sat round and, and Shirley and Bruno were there, we'd have like a strictly night out and I was there fucking about, I would be the loudest person there making you laugh. It wouldn't make any difference if someone was filming it or not. 
that's just what I'm like. Of course, I have my tired, yeah. bad mood days like everyone, but I don't have the sort of bipolar tears of the clown Get after down. a gig. I'm quite sort of sat with my cross legs drinking a wine, loving life after a gig normally, watching a bit of Netflix. What was the one gig that you did where you were like, oh, yes, this is the highlight of my career? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it'd be difficult to, to say, I mean, maybe the first Live at the Apollo was pretty big because when you do your... Live at the Apollo is a big show on TV for anyone that's not seen it. And what people that have watched it on telly will not know is that they record two shows in a night. Um, oh. And it's the, it's the same audience. And both shows are two hours long. So put it this oh, way, wow. you can imagine by the fourth hour, the audience aren't in the best mood, people are starting to leave, you don't see that, <laughs> on t- you obviously don't see that on TV. And when you're new, when you're proper new, like I was when I did my first Live at the Apollo, probably way too new to be doing Live at the Apollo, you go second in the second show, because you're new and you should oh, be okay. fucking grateful to be doing it. Yeah. So I've gone out to a four hour old audience and <laughs> I've just I've done the first joke and it's silence and I'm like, shit. And then I turned it round, and then I started storming it. Then I had this fucking amazing, like, career-starting dif- set. That yeah. was just a high backstage from that. My mum was there, everyone was there. The high was unreal. That and the, the show where I won a few years... That was, and then about three or four years later, I won at the big award in my industry, which is called, used to be called mm-hmm. the Perrier Award, now it's just called the Edinburgh Comedy Award. I would say that the night where I won that, where I knew I'd won that, you know... It's still not sunk in, even though it's 10 years. I still can't get my head around it. I look at it on the shelf and think, did I really win that? So that's crazy. Uh, and and where do you go from there? So you, you are, for me, when I came to this country, you were one of the top comedians that I was, I remember seeing you and I'm like, oh my God, it's a Russell. I didn't fangirl you, I kept it really calm. But with <laughs> the magnitude of really... <laughs> fame that you have and how successful you are you're moving on to tv what is the next step for you where do you see yourself in the next 10 years well it's kind of you to say but i would put myself not quite in the in in the mega league that's not a negative thing it's a oh, good thing really? there's still well there's still more to aim for don't get me wrong I you do, need a game show i do massive yeah <laughs> i do i do massive massive numbers on the road um but I kind of like this balance where I'm doing big numbers in the thing I care about in the theatre and my TV and radio work now, I pick and choose. I'm doing what I like. Mm. Where would I like to go next? I would love to do a sitcom, definitely. I'd love to do a sitcom all about my dad and, that, and my childhood. I'd love to make that. I'd love to publish would you write another it, novel. write it or, yes. or be in it? Either. Um, but write okay. it definitely. And if there was, I could write like a sort of scummy uncle in there or something, I would do that. Uh, but yeah, just to just to do something like that, I think, and some more mainstream stuff because obviously I'm doing the the most mainstream thing you can do at the moment, daytime TV with Steph McGovern and yourself some days. But I still get put in the oh he's a bit extreme and creative and different box, which is great. I want to be known mm-hmm. as a, a, a someone who breaks boundaries and does different stuff. But you'll know as well as I do that a little bit of line towing can get you into that sort of BBC One, ITV One world where I'm just starting to work. So yeah, you know, I am yeah. getting older. Uh, not according to my Wikipedia page, but in reality, I am. <laughs> and I, I you know, there, there's got to be an armchair at some point that I sit in, and I'm going to be funny from a chair. So I need to start edging towards that sort of sat down, more reflective humour. I can't be running around like Lee Evans on crack for the next twenty years. But you know what? I'm probably going to have a fucking good try. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> so how does, how does all of that wanting to kind of do more affect your stage stuff? Because obviously if you wanted to do more, a lot of the TV mainstream stuff, you're going to do less stage yeah. or? Yes. Or do you want to... It's well at the moment. It's definitely the other way around. The touring and the big gigs and the corporate work comes first, and then I slot in all the juicy mm. telly stuff around it. I'm privileged in that sense in that I don't have sort of a big juggernaut that I have to host. That's the downside. Once you're sat in a chair hosting a juggernaut show, you've got mm. to do less stand up. I'm not quite ready to do less stand up. If I was a footballer, I would say I'm about thirty one, thirty two. I'm not willing okay. to admit that I, that you know one day I'm going to be 37. I'm sort of in that that realm. I'm not quite ready. Yeah. Uh, I'm not Anton Dubeck yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anton's not giving it up either. He's trying out that judging seat though. His little butt keeps going in that judging seat just to check the cushion. I see him just having a little spin. Um, but do you know what I mean. So I think I'm still too in lo- in love with. The craft. Mm. I, I love it. I, I don't know what it feels yeah. like when you dance, but I, I would have assumed the level I'm at now, the amount of gigs I'm doing, the size rooms I'm doing, and the amount of times I've done them, that at least the edge would be coming off the childish excitement of going to a show. It hasn't. Yeah. It's still there 100%, that fizzy belly, can't wait to get out there and, and perform. That scares me because if I'm not getting bored with that, how am I ever going to stop? And I want to want mm. to stop at some point, but I just can't stop. I love it too much. What is that thing that you feel when you're you're doing a good show and you're looking out in the audience and they are loving it? What yeah. is that one emotion that you feel? I would imagine it's exactly the same again as yourself. There's too much flow going on to reflect on that. If you were to stop halfway through busting out an Argentinian tango to reflect on how much the audience were enjoying it, that's the end of that tango, basically. Mm. Uh, And obviously, if I'm speaking to an audience member or if I'm sitting back for a second when a laugh rolls in, I will allow myself just an animal sort of rush of pleasure. But if I slip out of that flow state, 
and start mm. reflecting on this is going well. I've got my joke coming in. It can start to eat into the timing. So you've got to be really careful. And then so what if it's now at the end of the show? So oh, you've done get- it and people are like, it's the same OT. It's the same as what you'll feel when you're bowing. It's the, there is no rush like it. There's no drug on the planet that can give you that that buzz. There's nothing like it. Mm. That's why I advise anyone to try it once, particularly people that struggle with confidence and introversion. Even if you just go to a poetry night or a more supportive environment, just stand up once in your life in front of an audience and do something and experience that applause at the end. Think of it like a, a mm. bungee jump. Everyone can have a go at a bungee jump or... Yeah. abseiling or just something a bit daredevil like that but the buzz is unreal if it's a big room if it's an o2 or a hammersmith apollo or i've got the festivals glastonbury reading leeds the tent might have five thousand people in it but it's like a rock type response <laughs> people stand in you're up on screens it is like that rock star buzz it's awesome how, how does a pandemic affect things like comedy because i mean we've had a year of like non-stop doing nothing how does that affect comedy how does it affect you mentally as well because with your job you need to make people constantly laugh yes it's been absolutely horrific for my industry i've been very lucky i don't want to get my violin out i've been on on tv the whole time working the whole time doing stand up every day on steph show really at Mm. one stage i was doing four or five shows a week on steph so i don't want to bitch too hard i've had it quite easy (laughs) and in and in the uh in the little interval last year i gigged a lot from june to december don't forget we temporarily Mm. could have distanced performance but that said i can't think of a profession worse designed for a pandemic I mean, Strictly was able to go ahead with no audience. Yeah. Comedy yeah. cannot go ahead with no audience. It just it relies yeah. on that conversation. I mean, my, I, my job is literally to gather strangers in a room, pack them in and have them put spores in each other's faces by going, ha, 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 ha. I mean, if it's just an absolute efficient way to spread <laughs> mucus is laughter. So we're screwed. And I've missed it so much, but I've really gone for it on Zoom. I've done so many online Zoom gigs. I've learned to enjoy that experience with floating little postage stamp Zoom heads. Mm-hmm. I've done lots of corporate work. I've got it out of my system with my tele work, so I've, I've, I've survived. So I've not had too much of an impact. My only mental health wobble, I would say, have been the last three months because I thought we were going to open up in February, March. So yeah. I, I gambled on all these outdoor gigs with heaters and canopies last month and then they got cancelled at the last minute that did was the first time since march last year my shoulders went down and i was like no fuck it come on sort my head out so do you guys have to like finance all of the stuff that happens on your own shows it depends if you're if it's your own tour then you yeah you're you're bankrolling that initially and uh they're all your losses uh but what i mean i meant more that if you said to me, right, we're going to do a show, it's called, it's called uh, Russell and Oates, you're going to do stand-up in the first half and then I'm going to do like a dance show, we're going to sell it, let's put 20 dates on it. And I leave my calendar empty for the whole of June mm. and then the Indian variant takes off and our gig gets pulled. I might not have lost money off my baseline, but I've now got no work because I've said no to Steph, I've said no to Mock the Week, I've yeah. said no to this, that and the other because I thought you and I were doing this tour. So it's more that. I mean... I know there are people going to food banks and shit like that, so I'm not. I come from a poor background. I'm not speaking lightly, but and how how does that your your background, your 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 background growing up, like say you grew up poor, how does that affect you or influence you in your in your work today? It means I can never really sit back and enjoy the success properly because I feel like. At any moment, I could be dragged back to my nan's council flat or 
the money could be taken away or even though it's totally ridiculous I'm clearly I'm always probably always going to work now till I drop even if I'm just doing tiny studio theatres and a bit of Radio 4 I know that the rational part of my brain knows mm-hmm. that but the emotional part says just keep working it might stop mm-hmm. earn as much money as possible keep going it's a very working class mentality you feel like well, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in poverty we just didn't grow up with money and I feel that non-moneyed state mm-hmm. It's coming for me. It's always like waiting on the corner. So you're going to lose your house, you're going to lose your car, you're going to have to sell your nice watches, Lindsay's going to have to sell her engagement ring, your daughter can't go to a posh school. I just I just think all of that... Yeah. I, I actually think all of that will happen. Like, it's going to happen at some point. Is that the reason why you keep going for more and more and more? Yeah, absolutely. Is that yeah. something that also pushes you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite good at putting a ceiling on it, though. Once I've got a certain amount of income and level, I don't have, feel the need for, imagine if I was earning 10, 20 million a year. I don't have that, thankfully, which nearly every celeb I know has. Once I get to a comfortable level where I can go on any holiday I want and buy whatever car I want and live in a semi-decent house, I just, my fear is keeping it, not wanting more. Mm. So my drive is better, better, better keep saving, better rainy day. Uh, and I've got all these plans in place. I'm going to do this. Me and Lindsay could live in a flat. Me and I could go to this. I've got, I've literally got like the emergency poverty kit packed in my mind, ready to go. <laughs> right next to your lunch kit. Yeah. How would you describe today being who you are, the rhythm of your life? Oh, it's thrusting, pulsing, manically paced <laughs> dance. Like someone on Red Bull and ketamine. Explain that. Give us give us a, a, a look inside your life for one day. Just a relentless, non-stop, 10 ideas a day. I'm working on a novel. I'm working on a sitcom. I'll be doing two podcasts. I'll be doing a live show later. Just a constant meerkat. Mm. Go, 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 go. Do, 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 all day long. Bang, 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 bang. Always, always active. Brain 100 times miles an hour my daughter's the same where would you say your ambition then is is stems from hmm. i don't know that's a good question i just oh is he energy, quiet energy energy mixed i got with... russell quiet <laughs> uh i think i just want i want there's certain things i would like to do um and i'm just relentless in achieving them i i, I want to be able to perform stand-up at the level I am for some time longer and the fear of that being taken Mm. away drives me to keep creating content online for example for free stand-up material no one not many other people do that hardly any British stand-ups stand on the spot Mm. and do stand-up for free down the barrel of a camera obviously during the Mm -hmm. pandemic many have but before that no one did so I think that drives it that sort of the same thing that um who's that other dancer I follow Karen She's always yeah. like doing a, a million workouts a day and doing dance moves online. Why? To, to keep that shit honed, ready to go at all times. Yeah. That's what drives her. I'm sure it is. Uh, you know, she wants mm. to stay fit. She wants to stay trim. She wants to stay dancing. She just keeps practicing even when she probably doesn't need to. Well, I'm exactly the same with my stand up. And there's certain things I'd like to do that I haven't done. So I'm, I am, I do annoy my agent. I do annoy uh, producers. I want to make a sitcom. I do want to publish another novel. I am, I'm writing a thousand mm. words a day. I've written a thousand words today and I'll write a thousand words tomorrow just because I want to see another book on the shelf just for the buzz of it. Amazing. And, and lastly, what are the three things that you're most grateful for? Um, my success, my missus, Lindsay, and then my daughter. Easy. Oh, Can't comedy easy, wife daughter. Easy. 
easy. Yay! It's the it's success that pays for the wife and the daughter. Yeah, easy. <laughs> easy, easy. Thank you so much, Russell, for giving me your time today. I know you're really busy My between pleasure. stuff. I really, really appreciate it. I thought this was so inspiring, so funny, and so educational. People can learn a lot from you. So thank you for coming on to The Rhythm of Life. My pleasure. I'm going to have a boiled egg. <laughs> and some celery. And what do you call it? The... the Himalayan salt. That's posh salt. That's upgraded salt. Yeah. (laughs) The purple salt. Starting from the bottom now, we're here. Himalayas. How high do you want to go? Himalayas, (laughs) bitches. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.